ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the Corner Store. I am your host, Kevin Koval, and unfortunately, without my co-host, Tara Mahadevan, who is on the road traveling, uh, as you know, Tara is a hip-hop journalist, always stay, uh, staying, finding the freshest shit in the world. And so I think right now Tara's in Cali or something like that um, doing her thing, and uh, you know I'm excited for what she will be bringing to uh, the corner store. We're, we're going to introduce some new elements uh, in our second year, but tonight I'm super excited. This is a conversation I've been hoping to have for some time. Uh, we have in the corner store at WGN Radio someone who is an ambassador of I would I would say a, a new sound, a new style in jazz. Someone who I think comes from, and I'm curious to get into the conversation, but comes from many different spaces sonically, and you hear all various elements in his music, but is one of the most profound new jazz drummers uh, in, in the world. Uh, someone who has uh, put, put Chicago new jazz on the map, uh, particularly him and, and, and his label, International Anthem, do incredible work for the city, both in the city and internationally. Uh, we have none other than Micaiah McRaven in the corner store tonight. Welcome, man. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah. Uh, we have, just out the gate, we have some uh, snacks for you from the corner store. Yeah. Um, so you're in, you're enjoying a beverage from our sponsor, Stolen Spirits. Hope you're liking the whiskey. Quite delicious. Good. Thank you. Um, also, I got you, you know, some, some coconut water. I feel like you, you need to stay hydrated. Um, and then in addition, uh, this, I feel like, I don't know if these are going to be good or not, but, um, I got you a, uh, a, a Mediterranean nutritious savory bar with black olives and walnuts. Okay. I felt like. I'm I'm interested in in that flavor, and then uh, might and, be for my wife. Okay, fair enough. And then in addition, I, for some reason, I just felt like because you travel and shit, you're probably like healthier than than most folks. I got you some Fuji Apple freeze dried fruit crisps. I should try to be healthy. Yeah, is it on the road? Does it get? It must get tricky finding the right foods to eat. Uh, and yeah, it can be hard on the road eating eating healthy. Um, part of it, I think, is just uh, the timing of being on the road and eating at. Weird odd times, hours, yeah. odd hours, like, you know, eating when food is available, um, whether, you know, for traveling internationally, there's like, it's like you're hungry and you eat on the airplane and you land or you don't eat and then you're hungry when you land and you go out to get some lunch wherever you are because you want to also, you know, maybe eat some local fare and and then you go to the venue and there may have dinner for you then or you might want to eat after the show. So it's like the, the timing and, and what's available and depending on where you are, you know, what choices there are, uh, it can be diff- difficult. So Yeah, well, that's why you got to build all that into the young rider, right, as well. Have yeah, a really healthy, good rider. always ask for healthy snacks. So, oh, yeah. You know, you're right on. <laughs> we got, we got right the rider. The yeah, we got the rider. <laughs> um, well, thank you for being here, man. I mean, you know, our, you know, our show is very much about uh, – the process of being and becoming a creative and so uh curious about just where you come from you know to begin with i grew up in a musical household uh, artistic household uh, both my parents are musicians my father is a jazz drummer um american african-american and my mother is a, a folk singer uh and multi-instrumentalist from budapest hungary as well as a visual artist and you know she came up doing uh some you know pottery and also painting and uh she was just so like sewing and um and then just different types of music and the hungarian eastern european diaspora 
and then on myself personally kind of growing up in growing up in the states you know quickly was just into the pop music of the day you know uh and hip-hop and and just kind of stuff my friends were listening to and what was kind of in my community and just was always looking for ways to participate in the music that i that i enjoyed and that i was studying and learning that was always kind of a goal of mine was if i heard something i wanted to learn how to play it or or meet people that did it or, or understand more about how it how it was made and where it came from and what it was about and and so you know because i've always wanted to be a musician that felt that i i or at least i strive to feel like you could plot, plot me down in anywhere and i could play with some musicians and, and we could work something out and so that's always been something i've wanted to to be able to do yeah were you, you born know? in the states or were you i was born in paris yeah i was born in paris but we quickly moved to the states i grew up in the united states since i was about two years old okay and where where about you grow up i grew up in western massachusetts in the pioneer valley um it's just kind of small college area with uh several prominent schools in the area and a lot of incredible artists and musicians that lived in the area. So I, I grew up with a really great community outside of my direct family um, who were e either were the kids of artists and musicians and artists and musicians themselves. Um, but, you know, everything from, from writers to uh, writers and poets to visual artists and, and everything. And it was a really, I thought it was a cool community. Um, it was a small and kind of uh, rural feeling space, but but you know, for such a small space, it has a, a high volume of of creatives and academics and transients that come from a variety of different places. And that you know, I think that it's cosmopolitan it's in that cos way. It's cosmopolitan, even though it's, and even rural, though it's very mass. rural in yeah. Massachusetts. So I feel like I have the best of both worlds in in that sense. And you know, it was a really that's really it sounds like ground. a very special uh, childhood then in that regard. Yeah, you know, and it's really cool to see a lot of the people I came up with doing a variety of amazing things. Um, yeah, in, some of your our, your peers. Yeah, or, my peers are who, are who are some of those folks. Uh, I was just hanging with my friend. Uh, uh, Alicia Shakur, um, and she's a singer. She sings with the Tedeschi Trucks Band, um, and uh, you know she's done a bunch of stuff in the music industry with Soul Live and mm. all these, you know, kind of interesting artists, East Co kind of East Coast kind of vibes. Uh, you know, and to friends that have gone on to make kind of creative adjacent businesses. You know, my buddy Mike Kurtz of Mike's Hot Honey. He has an incredible honey business oh, and wow. spicy yeah. honey yeah. and they're <laughs> distributed all over the, yeah. the country and yeah. internationally and is quite successful. So, you know, you know, people who've just kind of like are create creative and, right. you know, he worked in the music industry before he did that and that was other common ground, but we all, you know, went to high school and grew up together. That's really cool. So, I mean, that's a very interesting Among, mesh. you know, a bunch of, a bunch of people, you know. Your household seems ripe with all these ideas where you pushed into being a, if your dad's a drummer you're a drummer is that how it worked or how when did you when were you able to pick up the sticks yourself or how did that I mean, happen there was a bit of like dad's a drummer you're a drummer um but not like forcefully but just because this is available and this is was he, the house. he has a drum so you have a drum there's there's drums in the house right we live in a small apartment right he sits me on his lap to play drums he, yeah you know this is where we, there was a thing we could bond on and and then by the time I was five, you know, before I was, you know, I'd be crawling in the bass drum or be around rehearsals as a little kid. Um, I'd have to go to my mom's music lessons when she taught voice lessons. I'd have to sit 
through through that often or when she was a student at UMass um, getting her music degrees when she went into music education. I'd often have to tag along if my father was on the road, sit around rehearsals. But then it was by the time I was five, um, I got introduced to a, like a situation where I, I was doing some playing and it was a, a percussion ensemble my dad was teaching with a bunch of kids ages like uh, some kid that was close to my age around six seven to you know 21 year old and about i don't know i think there's maybe 10 11 of us he created a drum ensemble that spanned a huge um span of uh skill levels you know and for me i could have a little part you know just like doom 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 clap you know, and that was my part. Yeah. But meanwhile, there's all these, you know, other uh, more intricate parts. And, and then the, you know, eldest of the group would be playing drum set along with it. And, you know, it was a really cool uh, way to learn percussion. Um, and yeah. then, you know, throughout the years, there were different opportunities for me at, a, at young ages to be engaged with like b- bands or school bands that were not necessarily directly from like my public school, but were things like directed by other people my father knew who they needed another young musician that could accomplish you know we need a drummer for our this this like you know little little jazz group we have of students you know and i got pulled into that you know being a little younger than some of the other kids so i had some opportunities to play with peers from a young age but also to get invited to sit in with my dad and his friends and at a rehearsal or even a show yeah, who are some you know, of the folks that your dad played with, and and what what are your parents' names too? Uh, my dad, music Stephen McCraven, yeah, um, uh, continues to work a lot with Archie Shep. Yeah, um, we're working with Sam Rivers and Yusuf Latif. Uh, he's, you know, wow. a, a bunch of different records um, yeah. under his own name, um, and that was always an inspiration of mine. You know how he he was really involved in self producing records as a drummer. You Which know, is fairly rare, and in, in, and and really, you know, relatively independent terms, independent labels. Right. You know, I've these vinyls are quite rare. You know, um, I don't know even know how many of them were ultimately pressed. Said, yeah. Um, and some of them are on European, you know, small European labels, and you know, something that I think is much more common now. You know, but in the nineties and eighties, didn't have the same 70s, access. Didn't have the same know, technology. It was much harder to yeah. say like. We're going to self-produce a vinyl. Right. You know? Um, and then my mother, uh, Agnes Zygmondi, she uh, grew up in Hungary and was part of a group called Kalinda, which was a politically kind of um, vocal group that did Eastern European folk music across kind of borders, you know, engaging with gypsy music and Jewish music and, and some musics that were really kind of uh, had a the borders of like national borders that cross between them. And, and, you know, that was, they were quite outspoken mm. about that and using music as a tool to talk about, um, you know, their, where they're from, their people and uh, migration and all that, all that kind of, that kind of stuff. Wow. That's pretty beautiful. That's yeah, pretty, and, yeah. And, you know, both, even my dad, he was, his music was very much genre crossing, you know, um, the stuff he was doing with, with, uh, Archie Shep, uh, often, Whereas, you know, going into like a, into African folk music, you know, West African music, yeah. as well as uh, just look, uh, you know, my dad was into rock and roll and Jimi Hendrix. And there's all these elements in, in, in his music that were always kind of open minded and, and um, 
pushing genre and those things were big influences and to just like how I approach music and feeling open and feeling like that's something that is just inherently what what I what I want to do yeah well and, and it's certainly on your records you're pushing multiple boundaries and blurring these borders are they they're your folks are still around still married yeah no they're not married but they're around my father moved back to Paris and my mother's back, uh, still in Western Massachusetts. So, what do they? What do they think about what you're doing? It, it, it makes sense to them. Obviously, they're proud. They're. I mean, they're extremely proud. Um, you know, they're very supportive. You know, every time I go through Paris, my dad shows up, and you know, and right. you know. Um, Have you all done shows together, you and your yeah, father? Yeah, I've done shows with my. I've done some recording with my my father some years ago. Um, we haven't really played like uh, in public for a, for quite a while, but and I used to work with my mom all the time. I mean, she gave my band, my early band in high school, our first gigs. Wow! You know, backing up her her music um, when she was performing locally, and you know, she would have all these odd time signatures seven eight five eight nine eight, and it was a you know challenge for some young musicians. And I remember, I think she just kind of heard us jamming and practicing, and was like, "These guys, these guys can they can learn this." And then she started to introduce this stuff to us and got us some shows and really introduced us to the first clubs where we were able to get our own gigs as like a as a trio, um, which that really spurred that that unit of musicians to, you know, really solidify as my first real band. Mm. And and we really had a whole career from there, spending over ten years. Oh wow! What uh, name of the what's the name of the band and what years are we in when when this is going down? We're talking like. Uh, 99 maybe when that band really first came together for a high school battle of the bands maybe two, 98 or 99 and um, we won the battle of bands or it might have been a talent show you know and um, we started to do gigs with my mom and started to do some stuff locally you know I was a sophomore in high school and the band uh, you know first it was a trio but it evolved into a band called Cold Duck Complex which uh, was that trio, you know, was, you know, mem- a couple, you know, mem- it kind of evolved, but uh, with a rapper. Oh, word. And we were a live kind of hip hop band yeah. with a jazz trio yeah. that kind of did it. And, you know, that sounds really like, you know, you see that all the time now, but like back then there was really no, not no, no, a no, lot no, no. of yeah, example yeah, yeah. for this. The you Roots know? came out, what, 94, 5 yeah, or so something we knew like the that? Roots so, and, yeah. and I remember seeing The Roots and I was a fan of The Roots. Would you go to the Black Lily or the... Uh, no, the, we, they Roots came and they played at Smith Amen. College yeah, yeah, in yeah, Northampton. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, and like a theater on campus. Right. Um, and I remember being there, like second row. And, you know, it was like, wow, this is really great. Um you know, and our band sound was different, and then like it evolved into like having some more rock edges, and you know, some things that kind of resembled maybe Rage Against the Machine, but there was also like some more jazz elements and some jam band elements, and you know, we had this like, you know, very virtuosic rapper, really smart guy who's a he's a professor in Af- African American studies now, he's white oh, wow. white rapper, really great. What's uh, his name? His name we go by Platypus Complex. Okay, you know, and we his name's Casey Heyman, but he's a uh, really smart dude. Had a lot of incredible things to say, and we were able to like uh, garner like a really kind of like a culty, small culty following in the Northeast. You know, starting first as like a high school band in our hometown, but you know, while I was still in high school and those guys got to college, next thing you know, we were 
you know, we won, we won the college yeah, battle of bands, right. and we opened for 50 Cent and Rozelle and Real Big Fish for the the um the spring concert, you know, and I was a, I was a senior in high school. Yeah. You know, and this was at the local university and we got to play in an arena and then from there we were starting to sell out, you know, local clubs and being able to trade shows with bands in New York or Boston and we started to play out, you know, and really did quite well in the college circuit in the north northeast as well doing a lot of college gigs and stuff and that was my first taste of being like a of doing any sort of touring you know we were loading up our cars uh we you know had a really uh we really organized uh a business wise the bass player who really kind of took over the management role had a really uh smart mind for music industry and uh, you know, we ran our own radio campaigns. We did street teaming, wow. all of the bands, yeah, all it. the band yeah. stuff. You know, right? We did it. You know, and 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 I felt like when I moved to Chicago later, after that kind of period of my life was kind of changing, um, and entering the jazz market. You know, not all the cats out there had the same experience, like like building like um, a, like An a band, indie vibe. Indie vibe yeah. You know, not in the jazz world. Not a yeah. not. It's a little different. You the know? hustle is different. The hustle is different. A little more top down. Yes. Um. And 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 I'm really grateful for that. Right. I mean, I learned a lot. I hustled a lot. It gave you a different a perspective about perspective. the market. Yeah, we opened for all sorts of people from Diggable Planets to the Far Side. You know, uh, Mixmaster Mike, Lyricist Lounge. I mean, we did a bunch of cool stuff. Um. So that. So why did that band break up? You know, a lot of over a lot of time and a lot of uh, fights in intimate relate. You know, like your brothers. We were ten like, years a long time. Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, and we started really young. We were kind of locked into the the the, the our our the culture that started from a long time ago. Um, there were other kind of business things that were happening that were also complicating stuff. Um, you know, uh, people found different things in their lives where like figuring out where they're going, you know, from whether it's graduate school to, you know, uh, one of the band members like, uh, you know, followed his spirituality into like into being a monk for some time. Um, you know, I was starting to come to Chicago where my wife was, you know, we were married at the time. But you were interested in yeah, being married. To yeah. Her. Yeah. And so yeah. and so like there was just a lot of things and and. And uh, we eventually, you know, we we were just kind of grew, grew grew up a little bit out of that that project, and and we held on. I mean, we were still playing well into when I when I moved to Chicago. You know, we got to a place where I could fly out for stuff, and and also through that band, you know, we got uh, involved with a uh, a studio and venue um, called the Pushkin in uh, in Western Mass as well. And I became the musical director, so I was also producing records. And organizing shows yeah. and doing this stuff, and I was yeah. really young, and there was a lot going on for me out there. And when I moved to Chicago with the band and with this uh, studio and venue, I was really kind of for the first f couple years in the city, I was kind of in between here and the uh, in the East Coast. Okay, that really gave me some cushioning as I didn't know anybody in Chicago, and I started from scratch. So how how did you? first start to come to chicago was it because of your wife then yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah she was a, a tenure track posi position at northwestern and i would come out uh for like six months i came out once a month um how did y'all meet we met through mutual friends in a bar okay you know in amherst okay um and then 
I was coming out, and as I came out, I'd, every time I came to Chicago, I would I was doing my research. Where where are the cats? Yeah, who do I want to so, play with? So who, who where, where were the spots session? that you were going to? Because Chicago- every week I go to the Velvet Lounge. Yes. When, when it was on Indiana, or when uh, it had Cermak. moved to Cermak, yeah, uh, Cermak. Used, yeah, right, mm-hmm. right there on the South Loop on Cermak. I go every Sunday that I was in town, and when I moved and here, Fred was Fred was Fred alive was there. Yep. Yep. yep, and and Fred was very encouraging to me from the moment I yes. I stepped in in there. Well, what an encouraging and important presence in Chicago's music yeah, scene. Absolutely. Right? I mean, um, I got my first gig as a leader in Chicago at the Velvet Lounge uh, directly from Fred. Mm. Uh, so you know, I met all of you know my oldest collaborators probably they're not everybody but a lot of us you know we all went there and same with the new apartment lounge yes um, vaughn's von, von freeman Freeman's, yeah you know on 83rd i think it was maybe 75th i don't, I don't know. know yeah it was but, but it's yeah and i'm yeah. just going out there and then you know just more i mean i said looking i was looking for beat beat nights you know this is before i was really uh had doing too much making beats but i was really interested and so i used to go to like random like beat nights they had at um there was this place the morseland mm-hmm. and they yeah. used to have like oh, yeah. a beat night and that was right around the corner from us and i used to go out there and that's where i met like producers and like learned about some other like spots and underground spots q4 gallery you know back in humble park like Met a lot of cats. A lot of cats who are doing some like big stuff now. Yeah, you know who? Yeah, who are who are some of the folk? Both in terms of jazz, I mean, because one of the I didn't know that you were not from Chicago, mm-hmm. and part of the reason is because your musical lineage seems to have a lot to do with Chicago music, at least aesthetically, um, the ethos a little bit. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting, like dealing with the avant-garde of jazz. I mean. Guys like Archie Shep and Sam Rivers and Yusuf Latif may not be part of the AACM, may have a different kind of come from a different angle, but there is, you know, some uh, adjacency there yes, and yeah. historical period and, and, and similar influence. Influence. So when yeah. I came here and I walked into the Velvet Lounge, distinctly remember walking in the Velvet Lounge and seeing like the last song of uh, the Great Black Music Ensemble with Ernest Dawkins. You know, and like, okay, check the wow, check these cats out. And they're, you know, I got these guys dashiki on. I was like, okay, that's, you know, I have, I have a frame of reference for this. Okay. So that was the first thing. And it was, it was really cool. And then right after was the jam session. Yes. And I remember seeing these cats like Junius Paul, who I work with all the time, and Corey Wilkes, and, and just a lot of, uh, you know, and then guitar player like Scott Hesse, you know, these guys. And this was like the house band. And just remember seeing, uh, just seeing them play and the energy and them playing jazz standards, but also having reference to the avant-garde and and the hip hop really and the and young that era. black yeah. musicians that are into hip hop avant-garde and straight ahead jazz and like and I was like, oh wow, these are my people. Right. Like this makes sense to me, right. you know. And so it wasn't like it's from Chicago, but it just we had like there's similar set of influences, and you know, it really felt it felt really good that that environment. And um, and I made a point to like you know go religiously, you know. Right. I kept notes. Sundays is that Sundays, what they used to the jam? Yeah. yeah. I went, but I also went to. I, went, I tried to. I right. tried to show up everywhere. I really, I really took it on myself as a as a job because of having a full career on the East Coast with my band was really busy with side gigs, programming shows, doing studio session. I had a lot going on as a young a young musician. 
and like say, okay, now I'm gonna move to a big market city, and I don't know a, a, a soul really. Like if I want to maintain being a, a professional musician because I wasn't working any sort of day job for you know since you know my freshman year of college the last time I had like a little side job when I moved here I was like I don't want to go backwards what do I need to do to meet everybody in uh, any genre that I can that I'm interested in and working and start to to have a professional career and support myself through my art and and it was all about it was all about that yeah you know going out palm going to palm out and and meeting people and and figure yeah. out who I want to meet and and what are, what are the scenes and and where are the gigs and what are the what's available and Chicago being a a really great working class music town where there's lots of brunch gigs and jobbing gigs and jazz clubs and rock clubs and DJ I mean there's a lot of different ways to make a little bit of money you know if it really if you're down to work if you're down to work yeah you know and everybody has their 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 way that they go about doing things and you know but i've always been um fine with being like you know a music laborer as well as an artist you know right um and so my my perspective is always just prioritizing art always prioritizing my sound always prioritizing my direction and 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 how i want to go about doing things not saying that I'm not going to do things, but I'll prioritize it. So if I'm, so it's a, if it's ever a choice between a work gig or uh, something that's building towards my career, building like uh, my profile or building my artistic goals and endeavors, then I always prioritize that. Yeah, no matter what, that's always been kind of a thing for me. But I, I've always taken the position of like to hustle 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 yeah well that's i mean yeah it sounds like you had that ethic before you came but i think that ethic does embody the kind of way people approach art in the city yeah um, and i think that's a, it is because it's a it is a it's a working class town yeah. i mean it is a no frills town you i don't feel like you can come to chicago and just put a like like a sweet pair of sunglasses on and get on the bandstand it's not gonna fly. It's no, not no, gonna no, no, fly. No. Yeah. You know, you get punched. But yeah, yeah there's you some might other not, cities yeah. where that might work. Actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, who who are some of the the in that moment? Who were some of the uh, hip hop heads that you were gravitating towards, building here with, in influenced Chicago. by here in Chicago? In that, because this is, I mean, this is what the the late two thousand, the, the late aughts. Is that when you came initially, or um, I'm saying say that again. The, like around two thousand eight, nine, two thousand seven maybe okay seven eight um well you know going i remember going at, at first one of the people connected with was a uh, maker it's a beat maker it's incredible yeah, yeah. i remember galapagos seeing, four yeah, galapagos yeah. four i remember seeing him and like seeing that he had a lot of like serious stuff happening and making you know making he's i was like dope. no he's I was like i gotta i gotta i gotta hook up with this dude yes and we we did some hanging but then i also i started doing some gigs with uh with dj's um, there's this DJ Murray, Murray, the mayor, you know, and he's in the Bay now, but he, he like, we met at Q4 and he wanted to do some like drum, uh, DJ duos. And then he started get us gigs, you know, he just was like, yeah, I got this gig at the dark room and right, we started doing a series room. at yeah. Rodan yes. and we started playing Rodan like every other Saturday. You know, and I remember knowing about Rodan because one of the first people I wanted to hook up with when I moved to Chicago was Jeff Parker. 
who had a great series at Rodan, and I remember going to that. And of, of Tortoise. This is Jeff of Tortoise. Jeff Parker of Tortoise. Yeah. Um, but he also, you know. A lot of other lot side of projects. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was a big inspiration when I moved to Chicago. Because yeah. I, I remember. Incredible musician. Incredible musician. Yeah. Incredible mind, everything. You know, and I, I remember become a good friend and a, and a mentor and all of those things. But I remember going to the Rodan and seeing him, and they're doing this really free jazz kind of night where they're improvising all night but in between their sets is like djs and it's at this like hip yeah with cocktail cool lounge visuals sushi on the back yeah, yeah they got like visuals yeah and i was like wow i miss that spot now that now i was like how are too. they playing this experimental music and it's not just driving all the hip people out of here yeah. you know and that was really like dope i was like oh wow they can there's there's a cross section where these musics are existing and where people want to hear this experimental progressive music, you know, but also are down with like hip hop and stuff. And then I started looking into Jeff Morgan. I was like the indie rock band tortoise. And like, they were really amazing. And then on his MySpace page, he was making beats and DJing and his track sounded dope. And then like you look at his and he's playing with the AACM and avant-garde and then he's on tour Next thing you know, with Joey Fran- DeFrancesco playing like straight ahead, like kind of organ organ jazz, and mm. and I was like, man, this cat does what he wants right. musically. Can't is open, you know. That's what I want to do. Right. And it was a big. He was really um, big influencer, just a inspiration, saying like, okay, you do a lot of different things. That's okay, because a lot of the times uh, when you're trying to work a lot or you're trying to like find your way into a scene. You get, you know, pigeonholed yes. this way, or you yeah. feel like you have to. You have to. There's a rigidity this. sometimes. Yeah, and people will want to define you or tell you what even you can or can't do. Even if it's something do. that's really open-minded genre or progressive genre, you know, you still end up having to fall within line of like the tenets of of yeah. that space. Do you still struggle with that? Absolutely. All, yeah. yeah, all the time. Because I, I mean, you know, not to jump all the way ahead, but your last record. Uh, Universal Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first track in particular is like damn near, like it's a very brief, right. like yeah, damn yeah. near just straight ahead hip hop instrumental. I thought that I, you produced that and are playing drums on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all produced in a similar fashion. Okay, yeah. And and I want to talk about how it's produced, but yeah. even, even that first track, I would imagine maybe you caught you know maybe you know um health from or you know because yeah i mean I, because it's outside of uh, what you might expect on a traditional yeah i mean musically i think right now is a good time and i think a lot of people have been very gracious towards me and the music and the, the process you know um you know but you know so i think there is some space for for different types of sounds and 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 whatnot but um yeah i don't know it's it's there are these there are these uh gatekeepers yeah. and these and and these things you have to deal with but, but some of that shit time, is dying yeah some of it's dying and some of it doesn't really matter yeah. because if people like the music people are going to like the music right and and that's and that's really my been my perspective it's like whatever i i i want to make I want to make compelling music. I want to make music that makes people feel stuff or is memorable, that sounds and feels timeless. Um, 
uh, and and connects with people. And and if it does that, like all that other stuff doesn't really matter to me as much. Yeah, you know. Well, and it certainly does. I mean, your music, I think, crosses between. You know, uh, I I consider myself a bit of a jazz head because hip hop introduced me to jazz, and because of you know my nerdum and desire to dig through the samples that were on the backs of records and the liner notes of records that I was listening to coming up, and so that introduced me to you know multiple genres of music. But because you know I'm an '80s '90s hip hop kid, you know primarily it was jazz and funk and soul samples, right. and so that opened me to to those genres of music. And you're, I think, I think your music works in multiple spaces. I mean, your records bump like a jazz, like a, like a hip hop record. And they also, I think satisfy like the things about jazz that I really love and appreciate the, I've, I've heard you talk about, I'm interested in how you record because how you record also very much utilizes the piecing of hip hop sample based culture yeah so like you know it's very much in a sample based uh manner that i've been making these records and so in a way you know a lot of it is about the source material right it's about the source material so it's about the in the space which we recorded what we recorded and who's making it you know and so you know very much like i pick i try to pick great musicians that are open and 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 who can really improvise well and we can have create a, a great first experience because like a lot of these things are are based out of live performances that are improvised and and the reason being is that there's a magic in the air when you're improvising like that and it's not always something that i feel like uh for everybody is is like the listen uh, like the listen that they want like start to finish to be there i think is particularly special for an improvised show but like in record making and um and so like you know i try to create a uh an environment where i can bring like world class musicians together who can collaborate and spontaneously compose together you know and everybody is is a is a composer on the piece and then i take that material and then i'll like chop it and i'll reorient that source material to have more form i'll edit it to form into uh, a piece that has a uh, more defined narrative so to speak um and that takes you you know through a different type of listening that may i might overdub some keyboards of myself or some percussion i might add a couple little melodies or things or nuances out of it or i might hear something completely new or sometimes i'll take the track and i'll i'll start pitching the whole track and i uh, um yeah, you act as using, a producer. I mean, yeah, you're not I just, only. Yeah, a, a, I'm, I'm, I'm chopping. I'm doing right. like this same stuff as like when I've been like checking out Pete, Pete Rock. Rock. Or, yeah, yeah, checking yeah. out Pete Rock flipping samples and all the ways that he can do it, and it's like, wow, yeah, that is amazing. And yeah. that was an inspiration to me, you know, watching a Pete Rock video. Of his, so I went on YouTube and the way he flipped the sample, like completely, he chopped it into 32 bits on the MPC, and then he just played him. He just played it backwards. Right. And it was like a whole new song. And I was like, wow. Yeah. Boom. Look, there's new ways of, of, of interpreting sound, interpreting uh, music. And, and I've always loved beat tapes. And um, and so it's just kind of And then all it's, it's all sample free because you're also. It's all sample free, you know. Because you're sampling yourself. Yeah, I guess I'm it's, sampling it's, myself. And, and like the artists 
myself and everybody on the track are are, are collaborators on right. that. You know, that's very tedious. It sounds like that process. Yeah, it could be. It can be a little bit. <laughs> right. I spend uh, hours and hours and hours, like like uh, chopping or figuring out different ways to chop. Whether I'm going to do it hardware based or if I'm going to do it in the box. Um, uh, what what uh, what what programs do you use when you usually I'm I'm like mostly just Ableton yeah okay. you know and I and everything I do is basically two track audio I'm wow no, no stems wow and it's just it's like to me that re- resembles hip hop yeah you know sampling off of a record um right. you know from the same '90s style kind of sample based hip hop is with my probably biggest imp- inspiration there. Right. You just have to account for so much sound as opposed to be able to pick and choose in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we wouldn't even there's so much bleed in the recordings that so you don't really even have the option. So I I'd rather not even deal with it and and there's something to the limitation of working like like the records that I that I liked. Right. You know that inspired me to like even experiment with this is to keep keep it simple like that and similar similar type of uh, limitations you, you've had uh, a big year a big bunch of years in a row um, I, you know I, I, beforehand we were talking I mean you're, you're spending a lot of time uh, touring a lot of time overseas um, I know that there is I, I'm curious so I feel like there is a, a new frontier a new sound a new appreciation for the kind of jazz that you and, and I don't you i you i imagine you it's still jazz in your mind like even as a genre or or we beyond the definition is the definition not even useful perhaps i think that's a a difficult thing to define sure um and so like i generally speak with with like um in vague terms or even as a devil devil's advocate because i think there's some amount of discussion and back and forth you know and paradox that it can all exist within you know when right. it comes to ownership and appropriation and and legacy and and uh history and 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 where the music can go but ultimately like you know i avoided calling myself a jazz musician for for years um as a young musician feeling that uh the word jazz was was a bad word and that was going to isolate me from having certain opportunities you know uh for a healthy career in the arts you know and that was sad you know to feel that way um because you know very much i feel like this is my music and and the music of and your my legacy. legacy yeah yeah absolutely and and to feel like oh so what kind of musician you're a jazz musician no 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 i play all kinds of music right yeah including jazz right and i play hip-hop it was like something i had to like prove that that i wasn't you're not just like like you know square or straight in some way and and it's really sad that like jazz music that was so progressive and subversive and political throughout his history has become something that would be associated with being square, square yeah you know yeah. or or well anytime there begins to be you know and i, I worry about this sometimes and how you know when when hip-hop uh, becomes part of the academy institutionalized institutionalized yeah the jazz institute which is dope but also the idea of an institute i think makes it almost like classical music then yeah and and but you know fair enough you know, there is good reasons why people of jazz, you know, wanted to have, be recognized by institutions. Absolutely. Right? Because yeah. we want access to 
to money and donors and prestige respect, and respect, respect yeah. and p- prestige you know often you know for a lot of the black musicians who were creating jazz they didn't have the same platforms as their white counterparts in classical music and have the same access to money they don't have the same access to tenure positions at at universities to teach there were no jazz programs it wasn't respected you know and so there was a push you know, by the elders to get respect, yes. to have a seat at the table, you know, and I, and I, and I think that's, I, I you know, I, I'm in support of that, yeah. you know, I've had my own benefit of that, of being, you know, a young musician to older jazz musicians and, and, and then even having the opportunity to have an education at a, at a jazz school, you know, or like a, a in a program that these things exist. So, well, your generation, uh, so this was my question is like, I, I feel like your generation and I wonder who you include in that. I have some ideas about some of your peers, at least mm-hmm. um, are changing that notion. And, and, and I ask in part because traditionally a lot of heads would have to go to Europe in order to have a sustainable career as an artist, whereas the States were not necessarily supporting black artists, particularly black jazz musicians, particularly. And so you, you know, you might be able to get more love and more money in, in Europe That's or why my dad was in, in Paris. Paris. Yeah. But you, um, I think of, you know, I, and I don't, I don't want to lump you in to, to other folks, mm-hmm. but I feel like there are, I think a lot about the the LA scene that is also blurring jazz and hip hop in multiple well, it's been genres happening for a long time. Of course, and I don't I don't yeah. find this is like a it's like a a moment that's just happened out of nowhere. Right. You know, Absolutely. I mean Yeah, fusion is where I mean Miles Davis made a hip hop record in yeah, the eighties, yeah. late eighties, yeah, you know yeah. what I With mean? Easy like, Mobi. Yeah, and yeah. there's been uh, you know uh, Herbie, of course, Herbie, uh, Branford, the, Brand, it, Bucklock, Bob, Buckshot, Buckshot Funk, Funk, yeah, and, uh, Roy Hargrove, yes, yeah, you know, obviously, you know the the roots, which is diggable like, planets, you know, diggable planets, yeah. but also you know Jazzmatazz, and I mean, there's been a lot of there's yes. been a lot of 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 cross talk, yes. you know, uh, and like if it was the '70s, it was with funk music. You know, and so I, I, you know, I do think it's, it's part of a similar narrative. You know, I don't, I don't always like to like think of everything as like we're in this complete, new era, new era. You know, this it's, is just it's a, a this is the current, the yes. current thing. Iteration, and, yeah. And, and I think there is a great uh, audience that is kind of that has kind of opened up, and and that to me is a little bit more um, unique. Is like okay, well, you know, what is the not that the music is is inherently different or bringing young people, but the young people have have an open mind or open ear to it because of whatever the the state of our society is or or where the music industry is, and and that gives us like um a, like a platform and 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 open ears and and there are certain artists that I saw that kind of gave me inspiration, and when I saw it's like oh wow this music is you know it's 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 jazz it's like jazz oriented but it's like this but but look at all these people right you know right and and there was that was kind of what i was getting to before was that there was a definitely a point where it's like you know what no i'm not afraid of calling myself a jazz musician because i don't think it will it will turn away fans or or people you know actually i'd rather embrace that Mm -hmm. and if there are like divergent views of what that means you know, I can embody it in the way that it, what it means to me, you know, and, and like there are elements of like the history of jazz, like progressive music, 
uh, attempt to master of mastery of craft in your in, in instrument, you know, um, connection to the blues and the oral traditions of, of, of the music and elements of groove and jazz and all these things actually you could attribute to uh, like this, the, um, a more conservative de- definition of what jazz is. It's like, you know, I can st- still use those, you know, w- while being progressive, you know, or there's multiple ways of def- defining it. And, and, and which really kind of sh- makes that a, a, a undeniable truth is if you look at the history of jazz and the amount of different movements in the music that have, have happened and the amount of times that it's been uh, deconstructed or uh, recontextualized or reimagined. I mean, there was a time with Bossa Nova, which fits well into uh, more traditional jazz, was the new thing. And that's really what it meant. It was this moment where, like, in Brazil, like the music, jazz and Brazilian music combined and connected and created a whole new wave yeah. and new sound yeah you know and that's right. one of the amazing things it's elastic about the music. in that it's, sense yeah. yeah yeah and and you know border erasing in in that regard back Absolutely. to your own and, familial and, and experience look at guys like dizzy gillespie who started you know being ambassadors for the music and really traveling and bringing jazz and uh to a lot of places around the world that didn't have access to yeah. it, you know um and it, and it's just the, the ability to like you know to kind of be fluid and 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 connect with a variety of different styles and sounds yeah. you know and nice. whether it's rooted in like this or or then the avant-garde and and you know uh just de- deconstructing things or, or or challenging the status quo is also i think a really kind of uh, a legacy of the music that i that i'm that i'm really interested in exploring yeah and of course there's always you know that's a central trope in jazz it seems too is that jazz has always been from its onset of course been interested in challenging countering right and the, that's the, the status and that's quo, where the dominant the, and there lies the paradox because we're also here talking about like honoring the legacy and and paying homage to and and ex and evolving of 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 a tradition, living you know? living in a tradition. Yeah, right? Which but is I, I think often, of like maybe you know, oral tradition flows a little bit more like a game of telephone. Yeah, you know, it's when you write it down on paper, then it's like you start to get stuck. Yeah, right. That's real. That's real. <laughs> you know, and then yeah. it's like no, that's just the way it goes. Right. That's it. It's codified know? now. The same thing. It's the with, Bible with with re- the the idiom of recorded music versus. The live, live, yeah. live thing that can be open and it's in the moment and it's now. Yeah, you know, you put it on record. You know, now that <coughs> that's the that's the version you expect. That's the as version a, you yeah. expect. As opposed, and it's funny, to, you know, like you know, you know, if you're in a cover band or something, and the and the band leader is like, okay, we're gonna play this this song, and I'll go and I'll be like, oh, let me go check it out on YouTube, and if I learn the the version of the artist playing it live that might not be the version because we got no we got to do it like this because that's the, the record but it's like but when they played it live <laughs> they played it like this right. they didn't do how they did on the record you know i always found that kind of a, a funny thing you yeah. know because i was like oh i learned it oh you learned it the wrong way you didn't you didn't do it the right way yeah well I, th- it, I think you said it. You, we, we get stuck we get stuck as a culture we get stuck as a you know in a, in a mental state yeah uh, and that prohibits our growth really it can you know yeah. but I, but there's something also to be said for 
uh, standards, standards, and yeah. learning the tradition and, yeah. and taking part, and and that's where the oral tradition. Because when you stand next to a master, mm. and it's not like it's not like the book is telling you not to do it this way, or the recording. It's like you're standing next to the cat, yeah. or the guy who is actually stood there next to Charlie Parker. Then you play it the way he tells you to play it. Well, that's it. and we, you we, learn, we, and you learn from your elders, and you learn from the masters, and that to me is the shit. Yeah, you know, and, we, and we the have essence the privilege, of oral tradition. I'm sorry, we, no. we we have the privilege of of standing recently with Roscoe Mitchell, and it felt that way. It felt like you were in the presence of a master. You wanted him to tell you what the fuck to do, and he would tell you what the fuck you, to yeah, do. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you seem like someone, um, and even, you know, your catalog is someone who you continue to push yourself as a musician. What, what, what is next? What are you working on? Oh, man. So many, so, I'm sure. so many like projects kind of in the works right now. Um, um, some short terms where we're working on a remix record, um, for, for universal beings. Um, uh, got some catalog stuff happening, finally repressing in the moment again, which has been out of press for a while. Um, I've got a studio record that I've, I've been working on for quite a while. That's just kind of, um, just like in kind of tweaking, a tweaking mode. And we've got, we're in the planning stages for like another recording project for, um, for 2020 as well as some, kind of large-scale performances that i'll have coming up um at at, from the end of the year to into 2020 and and some other other projects beautiful man well Well, i i I, I just saw you tear down the jazz showcase can can people see you in chicago coming up april 25th will be at the empty bottle and I'm uh, really looking forward to that one. It'll be fun. Yeah, a different vibe than the very uh, different than vibe. The yeah. showcase. Yeah, the repertoire might be a little different, but that's one of the things. I also, you know, I love working with musicians that are versatile. It's like my first, my first thought when I'm when I'm calling people. People can hit a lot of different types of sounds and, and genre. And um, I like to be able to play in different spaces. It's like you know, whether it's a standing room show or. You know, we got a show coming up in Portland, uh, opening for Rakim. So if we're doing like a hip hop show, or if we're playing in a in a more of a jazz room, um, where we can be a little more acoustic, a little more open, a little more solo solo vibes versus like, you know, a set we're really kind of rocking out. And yeah. I enjoy. I like. I enjoy. Not different it. methods. Yeah, yeah different right? methods. Yeah. Places and you know the band will augment. You know, and I just try to get amazing musicians to work with and you know. Yeah. Where can people find you, and where can people find the work uh, on the internet? Makai McRaven dot com. M a k a y a m c c r a v e n dot com. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Wow. MySpace. Listen. LinkedIn. Talk about it. You know, and, and some other ones I'm forgetting too. Well, yo, it, it, um, I feel like I, I want to talk for another four hours, but uh, we, you know, your, your kids are here, and uh, I really appreciate uh, you being here, and I, I really am excited about your continued contribution appreciate to, that, yeah. to the sonic space around, around the planet and in the city. So thank you, man. Thanks for being here. Exactly. 
Yo, we want to thank DJ Exist for the beat. Langston Olsen for the art. Big ups, Todd Manley at WGN Radio. And Max and Dami, the corner store interns. Salutes to our super producer, DJ Cash Era. You can keep in tune with the corner store at cornerstore underscore pod on Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. Also, you can stream and download the corner store wherever you listen to podcasts. And please rate and subscribe and comment on iTunes. Please, y'all, consider giving us those five stars. Thank you for listening. We're going to see you next week. The Corner Store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.